The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Amen. Yes, Lord. Turn us to you, restore our land and revive us again. Us again. Yourself again. Turn us to you, restore our land and revive us In the New Testament, yea, even in the Old Testament, there is simply no culture of sin called grace. There is no culture of sin called grace. We find in Genesis, the second chapter, the Lord said to Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Chapter 3, the book of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Genesis, the third chapter. 
Now, all of the rest of the scripture is primarily concerned about one issue, sin. And today we have two things happening in the body of Christ that give me great concern. One, we have established a culture of sin called grace in the American church. And secondly, we have established a system of legal righteousness in the Christian church. So that a man says, I'm a Christian and I'm going to endeavor in every way possible to walk holy before God. And so I'm going to not go here. I'm not going to eat or drink this. I'm not going to say this. And I'm righteous. Jesus, I surrender. I belong to you. I'm all yours. The problem is, the tree of the knowledge has both good and evil. So on one side in the Christian church, we have established a culture of sin called grace. On the other side, we've established a system of holiness that is legalism. Both flow from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Both are sin before God. We're told in Revelation, the third chapter, that the last day church called Laodicea will be lukewarm and God will have to spew it out of, its, out of his mouth. If it doesn't repent, it makes him sick. And so we have on one side the church that says, I can sin and I'm saved. On the other side, we have people who say, I must go to prayer meeting. I must pay my tithe. I must do this and this and this. I'm saved. I love Jesus. But then go pursue all of the interests that they consider good. Did you notice in that story that I just read from you for you from Genesis, the third chapter, that she saw that it was good for getting wisdom? She saw that it was pretty to look at. She saw that it would be good for food. The tree of the knowledge offers things to us today that look very appetizing and yet missing from all of that appetizing nature is a hunger for Jesus. And he said, my body is real bread and my blood is real drink. But we don't want to go there. We want to make the money we want to make. We want to have the lifestyle. Oh, it's all because we want to do good things for God. The culture of sin called grace will lead us away from Jesus. The legalism of the holiness movement 
will likewise lead us away from Jesus and leave us with a heart that is dry and hard and no passion, no hunger for Jesus. I want to talk about first the culture of sin called grace. Now, I know we spoke briefly about it yesterday, but I'd like to go much more in detail with you today. I want to show you the road they go down to establish this culture of sin that they call grace. I listened to a very well-known pastor. It's a national ministry. Last night, And he said, I want to share with you the three ABCs of salvation. My ears immediately perked up and I said, I want to hear what this man has to say about the ABCs of salvation. The first thing he said was, A, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, so far so good. He went to Romans. I'm going to take you there. Romans, the third chapter, verse 23. And that's the only verse. He didn't read anything around it, just Romans 3, 23. Let me read it for you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then he turned to Romans 6, Verse 23, Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, we have all sinned. We sin all the time. We can't help ourselves. And he used the definition of sin in the Greek classical language of harmatia, saying it's missing the mark. Now, I'll talk about this in just a minute, but of course, if you've been listening to this broadcast very long, you know that the biblical definition of harmatia is not missing the mark. It's voluntary rebellion against the direction and the word of the living God. All sin has a voluntary element in it. It's something we choose. It's not something unconscious. It's a choice. Now, the B, he said, is believe that Jesus is Lord. And for that passage, he went to Romans, the 10th chapter, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, 
and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And he used the word dikasune, or justified, in the same sense that it's used in the Old Testament, as a covering for sin, as a legal element that says you are legally covered. And then, C, call upon his name, and you shall be saved. And he read again Romans 10, 9 and 10. Let me read it again for you that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then he went to Romans 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the ABCs for this pastor and countless numbers who listen to his messages, countless numbers believe what he is saying to be truth. The ABCs of salvation. And he told about a man who called and who asked about his daughter a stepdaughter, 11 years old. And he said, how can I find out if my daughter, my stepdaughter, is saved? And this pastor said, please just ask her. She'll tell you. And so he did ask her. And she said, no, I'm not saved. So he talked with his wife and told her about the ABCs of salvation. And so she went for some private time with her daughter, and she walked her through these passages of Scripture and said, will you make a decision today to receive from Jesus salvation? And the 11-year-old said, yes, I'll receive Jesus. This sounds wonderful. So the mother prayed with her daughter, and then went to report to dad that their daughter was now saved. In reality, she was not saved at all. She had simply been vaccinated by false doctrine and false teaching. And now, if she believes that false teaching, she will find her way to hell. Because what I've just shared with you, the ABCs, is all myth. It's not true. Now, let me say several things to you. You cannot pull a passage out of Scripture, out of context, and say, now this is the truth. No. These passages of Scripture in Romans 10 have to agree with the scriptures found in Romans 6, in Romans 4, 5, and 6, 7, and 8. The scripture has to be in accord with itself. 
You cannot pick and choose and say, okay, this is the road to salvation. This is called the Romans road, and it's false. So let's go back and let's look more carefully at Romans, the third chapter, because that's where he went first. Romans, the third chapter, verse 10. I'll read it for you again. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. Is that true? Yes, as far as it goes. But the power of the Holy Spirit is moving. This is describing the condition without the presence of the Holy Spirit calling after us. So then we go to Romans 6, 23. Romans, no, let's go to Romans 3, 23 first. Let's go to Romans 3, 23, because that was the next scripture he went to. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Well, what's the context? Let's read it, beginning with verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, and all sinners are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. That's an old English word. It means to make righteous. Dikasune in the New Testament is to be made righteous not covered. If we say we are justified legally, but we still remain in our sin, we are saying that the blood of Jesus has no more power than the blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, says that's simply not true. The blood of Jesus is powerful. We are justified or we are made righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Now, the question, and you have to answer this. Can a man be saved in his sin? 
or from his sin. Jesus, it is said, came to save man from his sin, not in his sin. Now, we find Abraham next in chapter 4, and by faith, he was saved. But you'll also find that it was through obedience, according to James. God gives the power for obedience. Now, please hear me. If Jesus' blood does not have the power to deliver me from the clutches and bondage of the devil, how can that blood ever save me for eternity? If the blood of Jesus does not cleanse a sinner, break the bondage of drugs, break the bondage of fornication, break the bondage of every sin, if the blood of Jesus cannot do that, of what value is the blood of Jesus Christ if it leaves me in my wickedness? And then some mystical thing is supposed to happen when I die? So death is my Savior? Death is not my Savior. Death comes because of sin. My Savior is Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary's tree for me. Now, let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans 6, verse 23. Now, this is the passage he used. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He maintained that we must continue in our sin, but by some falseness, we are transformed and we are made able to be saved while in the midst of our sin. So establishing a culture of sin and calling it grace. But let's look at the rest of this chapter that we've been reading and talking about so carefully. I want you to hear the context of this passage. It's stunning. Are the wages of sin death? Yes. The gift of grace from God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that true? Yes. But that's not the whole truth. You have to come back and read the chapter. What then shall we say? Verse 1. Continue in sin so that grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it? Or are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
Really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death, that just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, we also may walk around in newness of life. Now, please, there are two sides in the Christian church today. There are those who establish a culture of sin, and they call it grace. And then there are those who establish a culture of righteousness, Don't do this. Don't do that. Here's a list of do's and don'ts. You're saved. Jesus loves you. But there's still no death. There's no crucifixion. And so there is no salvation. There's no salvation for the the people who believe in the culture of grace and the sinning Christian, and there's no Salvation for the men and women who walk in the legalism. There's only salvation found by being brought into the death of Jesus Christ, where my world ends. Has your world ended? Has your world come to a screeching halt? Do you only go where Jesus sends you? Do you only do what Jesus tells you? Or is your time and attention taken up with your work and making money and taking care of family and doing all of these different duties? And you say, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But you have no passionate love in your heart for Jesus because you've never been crucified with him. You know, there's still distance between your heart and Jesus' heart. And countless numbers of you, I have asked the simple question, are you clean with Jesus? And over and over, I've gotten the response, oh, there are things I'm working on. That tells me you're in the second camp. You want to make sure you get everything right. And you're working to get it all right. And you think you're holy because you're not walking in the culture of sin, calling it grace. And you think because of that you're somehow saved. You're not. Salvation is not found in a culture of wicked grace. And salvation is not found in the legalism of making sure you cross all your T's and dot all your I's and you make sure you have everything right in your life. Neither one will bring you into the kingdom of God. The only way you can enter the kingdom of God is by being crucified with Jesus. By dying to self. By being born from above by the Spirit. This dear man who who has the ABCs doesn't understand the gospel. He's full of good humor. He's fun to listen to. But he doesn't know the gospel of Jesus. Romans 10 Verse 13 was the last scripture he went to. 
Let me go to it quickly. Romans 10, verse 13. Indeed, everyone, whosoever that may call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's simply not true. Jesus tells parables time after time of of those who come and say, open the door, the the five foolish and the five wise. The five foolish didn't have enough oil to make it, so they ran and they bought more oil and they came back and they stood outside and they knocked on the door. They called upon the name of the Lord and they were cast out into outer darkness and they were lost. You can't just read this Romans road of chapter 10 and say, okay, I'm saved. Life is wonderful. I'm on my way to heaven. No, you're not. If you have not been crucified with Christ, you are not on your way to heaven. You are simply a good religionist. And many of you listening to me today are either caught in the camp with a culture of sin called grace, or you are over here in the other camp where you say, I'm saved. I love Jesus. I walked with Jesus. I've served Jesus. But you were never crucified with Jesus. You never died. It is in your own strength and your own will and your own volition that you serve Jesus. It is by your own works that you serve Jesus. And so you're a religionist. But you're not saved. Salvation only comes by being crucified with Jesus Christ. Listen, really, we were buried together with him by means of the baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among the dead men by the glory of the Father, we also may walk around in the newness of life. You can't walk around in that newness of life with a culture of sin called grace and you can't walk around in the newness of life and have the legalism while your heart is cold and indifferent to Jesus while you're a religionist I must confess I've been both and I've had to repent sorely before the Lord with with weeping and tears and say Lord going to have to be crucified with you. My life's going to have to come to an end. And no matter what the cost, I, I will be crucified with you, Jesus. I will die. See, you can't read Romans 10 and not read Romans 6. You can't. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. The word in the Greek 
is actually destroyed. Now, some of you believe that you have a good nature and a bad nature. And that's true if you believe in a culture of sin called grace. It's also true if you're a religionist. But when you've been crucified with Christ, when you have actually died to your sin, to the old man, Paul says he's destroyed. And that we hereafter do not serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. I know why it's so popular today, both for the the culture of the sinning Christian and the religionist. It's very popular to have the old man to struggle with because then it allows us an excuse to continue walking in our sin. It's not what the scriptures teach. You can pick and choose your cherry text and you can come up with this lie, but it is a lie. So also, verse 11, you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying there has to be a change in your mind. And in your mind, you have to give up the idea that you can be a sinning Christian. And you've probably heard that from the time you were a child. It's ingrained in your system, but it's a lie. Or you have heard on the other side that you're always going to fight with the old man and and sometimes you're going to sin and sometimes you're going to succeed in gaining the victory. But bottom line, you cannot think in your mind that you are actually dead to sin and you're no longer going to walk in it. And so we have the culture of sin called grace and we have the religionist who say it's always a constant battle and it's hard to serve Jesus. God is a a hard man. Where's the victory? Where's the deliverance? Where's the coming of the Holy Spirit and power to give you victory over sin? Now I want to be clear with you. That when it speaks about this baptism, 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 or baptized into Christ Jesus, baptized into his death, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the water. You have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This baptism is into a new life, something that never existed before. It did not exist under the law. It's new. It's new life in Christ. On the ground of the shed blood of Jesus, on the regeneration through faith 
in the blood of Jesus Christ. It is being changed from the image of Adam in which all of us were born to the image of God in righteousness, holiness, and true knowledge by the baptismal power of the Holy Spirit. This restoration is spiritual, moral. It's accomplished by the Holy Spirit. Christ is the end of the law because there is a new avenue of righteousness that flows into our life and it comes to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in the new covenant, the law of God is now written in our hearts and we obey it as we do our own will because we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. I want to share with you briefly out of the book of, of Ephesians. I'm going to begin in the second chapter. And you being dead, this is verse 1, and you being dead in the trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all were once formerly dominated by the lusts of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and the mind. And we used to be by nature children of wrath, even as the others. But God, being rich in mercy by means of his grace and his great love with which he loved us, even, even being dead in the sins, he made us alive with Christ. You have been saved by grace. Grace is not ever in the scriptures a cover for sin. It's never an excuse for sin. Grace, according to Titus, teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Even raised up together and seated together in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, in order that he might show himself in open exhibition in the coming ages with reference to the surpassing wealth of his grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by the grace you have been saved by means of faith, and this is not of you. It is the gift of God. It is not out of work, so that no one may glory in himself. For we are his workmanship, having been changed completely in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we might walk in them. This is a work of God. This is a miraculous, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we are crucified with Christ. But without the crucifixion, we're just religionists, heart of heart, cold of heart, lukewarm. And this is the condition of the American church. And so because of that, either caught in creating a culture of sin called grace or the religionist, and it made Jesus so sick, he vomited the church out of their buildings. And he shut us down. Now, a few places... There are some courageous pastors who are saying, no, we're going to gather in the name of Jesus. 
I praise God for those courageous pastors. But they're opening themselves up to pretty severe persecution. And with that persecution, they will come to an end of themselves. And finally, at the calling of Christ, they'll have to give up their lives. And they'll have to be baptized in the death of Jesus. Now, I want to be very clear with you on one point. I won't press it now, but we will as time goes by. This entering into the death of Jesus Christ, this baptism by the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, as he puts us to death and regenerates us and makes us new in character, in life. This is not the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is, according to Ephesians 1, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. This is verse 13 of chapter 1. In whom also you, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That is, you were made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The Holy Spirit gave you a regeneration. But it is not the Pentecost baptism. The Pentecost baptism is first and foremost the power necessary to live a godly life. But that's not even the primary focus of Pentecost. The primary focus of Pentecost is the power to minister the gospel to others. Don't mix these two up. I know men who have mixed these up and they say, we have it all right now when we were baptized. The Holy Spirit came in and dwelled in us and that's all we get. No, it's not. That is a lie of a seducing spirit that has deceived many. We either go into fanaticism or we go into the seduction of an evil spirit that says, don't ask for the Pentecost baptism. You've got all you're going to get. You just have to walk in what you have now. That's a lie. But today we're focused on that baptism of the Holy Spirit that regenerates my life, that brings me into the fullness of the resurrected life by taking me into the death, the crucifixion, entering into Jesus. Now, let me read just a bit more from you, for you. Now, this I say and declare in the Lord, you are no longer to walk as the other Gentiles walk in the nonsense of their mind, having been darkened in understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance existing in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. There is no excuse for this hardness. who having ceased from feeling shame, gave themselves over to immorality for the practice of every impurity and greed for more. But you learned not the Christ in this way, if indeed you heard him and were taught by him, just as the truth is in Jesus, 
that you are to put off once and for all concerning the former way of life, the old man. He is to be stripped off. He is to be put off utterly. He is not to continue living in you. That only happens by you dying and being crucified with Christ. The one being depraved according to the desires of delusion and to be new again in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new man, the one having been created in conformity with God in righteousness, holiness, and truth. Therefore, having already put aside falsehood, each of you must speak the truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another. Be angry, but not, but you must not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your angry mood. And you must not give place to the devil. The one stealing must not steal anymore, but rather let him labor, working the thing that is good with his hand, that he may have some to share with the ones having need. Any word that is harmful must not proceed out of your mouth, but if any word is beneficial for edification of the need, them to speak, that it may give grace to the one hearing. And you must not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed under the day of redemption. All bitterness, rage, and anger, clamor, slander must be put away from you with every hatefulness. And you must be kind one to another, tender-hearted, freely favoring each other, as also God by Christ favored you. Accordingly, you must be imitators of God as beloved children. In fact, you must walk in love as Christ also loved us and delivered himself to our, on our benefit, an offering and sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But sexual immorality and all uncleanness or inordinate desire for riches must not be so much as mentioned among you as becoming holy ones. Indecency. Silly talk, coarse jesting. These things are not fitting, but rather thanksgiving. Now this you are understanding, that every fornicator or unclean person or one who defrauds for gain, who is an idolater, has not an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore be not partakers with them. Ephesians 4 and 5. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm beseeching you, don't believe in the culture of sin called grace. And don't believe in the righteousness that comes by works. Don't believe in the hardness of heart that takes you into a lukewarm place. But be crucified with Christ. Be made new. Seek his face with all of your heart. Cut off every unclean thing and give yourself utterly, completely, and totally into the hands of Jesus Christ. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've listened today. I pray it's been helpful. You can write to me by going to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 23, 
46, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I thank each of you who has written to me, who has encouraged me with your kind words, and who has sent offerings to help pay for the radio broadcast. Thank you. From the depth of my heart, thank you. I've been pleading with God to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, and he's begun to do that. Thank you. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find the YouTubes. I ask, please, would you subscribe to our YouTube? Would you punch that I like button? That causes Google to post us in more places as that increases. So we're out of time. Let me pray. Lord, I pray for each who has listened today. I pray you will uncover for them the truth of the gospel, that they must be crucified with you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Again, I'm Ray Greenley. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you. I'm praying for each of you listening. I wish I could meet you all. Maybe one day soon we can. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.